What's going on, y'all? It's your boy JT007 coming at y'all with another episode of Hold On, Let Me Finish. I got two special guests with me this time. We just got done talking about what's going on in America. Part 5, Part 6 is out right now. Make sure you tune into that. This time, we're going to talk about some black history. It is Black History Month, so I thought it was pivotal that we discussed that on this podcast. And today, like I said, I got two special guests. I got a returning guest. Shout out to Tiffany. Tiffany, thank you for joining us again. Hey, how are you guys doing? doing great doing great and uh we also have a new guest first time and hold on let me finish history we got my man randy checking in mr fitness himself fitness guru randy you got some great things going on right now for you man appreciate you for joining joining the show and i appreciate being here thank you for that uh those little small accolades there's a lot more that we need to you know touch on but i appreciate it (laughs) Hey, man, we got to warm the people up, man. It's like an oven. You got to preheat it. You can't just bake it out the gate, baby. Come on. You got to slow down. So with that being said, let's go ahead and get this going. We are going to discuss, like I said, black history. We're not going to have a a normal discussion of this in terms of, you know, who do you think was the most celebrated black history, black historian, black person in history, you know, whatever. I wanted to get to the nitty gritty. I wanted to know how you learned about it. Who was your favorite person to learn about? And then we're just going to let the conversation evolve from there. Randy, who was your favorite person to learn about in black history growing up in school? Man, to be honest, I just feel like, um, you know, I felt like in school we learned about the civil rights movements. Um, you know, the Frederick Douglasses back in the day, the, um, the, the most pivotal moments back in the 1800s. Um, and so I think... The most iconic ones uh, brought to my attention were, you know, the the MLK, um, them defying what was currently going on at that time, um, and actually putting forward and trying to get some change to happen. Um, I feel like, and to to the standpoint, I feel like they only highlighted those people, and we'll touch on that later. But I just feel like those were the people that were in front of us and in front of me. So like the MLKs, the the amount of that we learned on Malcolm X, uh, Marcus Garvey. You know all those type of figures, and um, felt like they, you know, they were amazing to me in my eyes at that point because they were fighting for our people. Um, and I felt like, you know, of course, the school educated type of uh, elementary, middle school history classes watered it down, and so those were superheroes. For me, I felt like they were put on that pedestal. Um, so the the Malcolm X is the that those type of influence. Okay. Okay. Um, now, Tiffany, you know, I definitely want to get your perspective and your thoughts on this. You you definitely being um, a woman, also a biracial woman. I thought that was pivotal to get your perception on everything. So who is your favorite person to learn about in black history? My favorite person would probably be the first person I really learned about, and that was Miss Madam C.J. Walker. Um, I think for me, her just like being a woman attracted me, um, being the first black billionaire attracted me obviously um and so she was kind of like my entrance i think into like oh wow um this black woman 
woman before, you know, uh, during a time where, you know, I don't, I think that when she was uh, around, I don't even think women had the right to vote yet. So um, that kind of really intrigued me and was my kind of first, first introduction to black history. Okay. All right. I appreciate y'all both for that feedback. And I do want to preference um, you all as the listeners. You know, we're not historians, so there may be some things that are uh, inaccurately stated. Um, but this is our perception. This is our representation of what we know as black history. So that's why I wanted these two individuals on here. I could have had historians on here. That's not really the, the thing I wanted. I more so wanted raw, um, raw perspective, to say the least. So just to preference everything before we get into this, I don't want anybody coming back telling me such and such was wrong about something. I was wrong about something. She wasn't save the it. first black billionaire, right, right. <laughs> right. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like save it, you know what I'm saying? So with that being said, let's go ahead and move forward. How are you taught black history? That's something I definitely want to know because I know we're all, we all grew up in different areas. I know, Randy, I know you grew up in South Bend. Um, Tiffany, you're, you're from Indianapolis, right, Tiffany? I am. Okay, yeah. And so I'm I, from Nap. There we go. So I know, you know, Randy, you grew up in the southern part. I did as well, or northern, I should say, but uh, I did as well. Grew up um, Evansville, Indiana. Was born in Atlanta, as most people know, and then grew up in Evansville from there. Um, so everybody was taught, I'm sure, a different way, different perspective. I know for me growing up, um, Randy kind of hit it on the head. A lot of black history was very much so watered down. Um, a lot of times they, they waited until like the last week or the first week of the month to talk about black history. And it was very much so rushed. It wasn't really a deep dive like we have in other other elements of history and learning about history, world history. Um, and so I, I thought, you know, that was something that really stood out to me and kind of my first introduction to um, maybe some prejudicism, I would say, in some capacity with that. Absolutely. But yeah, so I do want to know, you know, Tiffany, since you just uh, got done talking, how were you taught black history? Do you feel like you got a deep dive into it? Do you feel like a lot of it was yeah, rushed? So, um, so I was taught uh, black history, I think, honestly, in the month of February, um, was when we went over it, you know, a good chapter. But something that I think, like, that I think bothers me is that black history is not just about the civil rights movement, right? <laughs> that, you know, just kind of seems to focus on and, you know, um, kind of taking a deeper look into that. It, it starts way before that, um, right? Uh, even if you compare, you know, when we looked at, you know, slavery, right? Um, slavery in America, we look at how, you know, the chapters were so short. When we talk about slavery, you had like a paragraph. Okay, there was genocide, slavery, torture, beatings, etc. It's like a sentence or two. But then we went on for like half the semester, you know, focusing on the Holocaust, etc. Um, so I do think there's just a big um, discrepancy there when we are learning about things in our history, um, and especially towards a certain uh, group of people that were done wrong. Um, so for me, I don't think I actually, for me, I, I had a lot of white educators, white teachers. My first black teacher was actually in college. Um, so that was kind of, you know, there when I look back at it, um, I think I saw a post one time that was like, when did you get, when was your first black teacher? And a lot of people were like kindergarten, like first grade. And I'm like, college <laughs> um, wow so, college you know i don't think there was an emphasis yeah it was college when i got my first black wow uh, yeah i had my teacher, first pro- i had my first black teacher in second grade for sure yeah uh, no, it, not it for took me. a while for me 
took a while for me. Actually, it was um, my sophomore year in high school. Wow. Yeah. 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 And wow. so I don't think there was a lot of emphasis on it, you know, because we know, like, representation matters. So it's like, why, you know, if it's not important to me, then why would I make it important to my students, yeah. uh, you know, no matter their background? At least it, for me growing up, um, I think that's a little bit different now um, when it comes to, like, education. And when it comes to what, you know, is discussed and teachers having more autonomy to, you know, really uh, put out their lesson plans better and what they actually want to educate their students. But definitely for me, I didn't I didn't get a lot um, growing up, for sure. Yeah. Wow. Um, Randy, kind of going off of that as well, what was some of your experiences like learning about black history in school? I mean, like I kind of touched on before, and I'm going to pivot off what Tiffany was just speaking about, was the fact that, you know, we, we learn the bare minimum. We learn surface information. Um, and we, in South Bend, we have a, um, you know, downtown area. And every year around Black History Month, we have the Century Center Classics. And, uh, you know, a lot of us, our people, will get together and, you know, kind of do, you know, steps and all this type of black historical type of things. But I never really learned what it was like, um, you know, to learn history. And so, you know, I, I, I believe, you know, once we started to go, you know, grow, grow in age, I started to ask questions. Um, and I, I always feel like somebody actually, I live in the South now. Um, I'm down in Atlanta, for those who don't know. Um, and me growing up in Indiana, it was totally different from uh, being down here. And I can see the difference between um, our white brothers and sisters. <laughs> <laughs> and then us, uh, the questions they ask, the things that they don't understand, the things that they see, the, the way that we move um, is totally different. And so um, for me, I felt like, you know, I always wanted to move to the South. I had to ask these certain questions. And so I would kind of sit down with my, my, uh, grandma, my grandmother. Um, her actual grandmother was alive all the way up until 106. And I can recall she lived in Chicago, Illinois at the time. And I can just recall her having newspaper articles about certain stuff happening um, back in the 1900s um and i can just remember asking questions like how was it the one question i really hated to ask was how was it like being in segregation and all that type of stuff um and i felt like there were certain things that i should have asked i think that's more you know that's one of that piqued our interest as kids you know how was it being segregated all this type of stuff but this this is a lot of history that is important for our current state um and it was tough man like just to pivot off like you know what Tiffany was saying, I didn't see my first teacher until sophomore year, and I felt like she was against me. In all, in all reality, she was being hard on us because she knew that we belonged and we could do more. Um, and I used to complain. I literally requested to get out of her class, y'all, and like she told me once I tried to do that, like, I'm only hard on you because history has been hard on us. She literally told me that. I never knew I was going to go to college. Um, and so I just felt like, you know, you know, touching the surface, we all know about the story about Christopher Columbus finding America, but at the end of the day, we know a black man did that. Um, you know, one thing that intrigues me currently is the wait, fact wait, that there's can, a lot of... I'm sorry, Ray, I'm not trying to interrupt you, but can you discover oh. land that was already uh, <laughs> yes. founded? Nah, you can't. You cannot. And, I, and that's why I said I laugh because there's so many other things in the middle of that that they try to wash away in a in Americans, you know, history, especially to the young kids, to brainwash us a little bit. So it's just like so much, y'all. And like, 
you know, I feel like I've learned more as we, you know, are able to ask those right questions now than I did before. So, yeah, man, and like just going off of what you guys both said, like that's why I wanted to um, make sure I highlighted, you know, that we all are, was raised in different areas of Indiana, just because I mean there's like a wide discrepancy just simple and plain like I had my first black teacher when I was in second grade it was actually the only black teacher in the school but if you had a second day, second grade class at Lodge Elementary you seen Ms. Dean at some point and so for you all like Tiffany for you to say you didn't see a black teacher until you were in college and Randy until your sophomore year in high school like that was it shouldn't be unorthodox for me I mean I my school was predominantly white for sure but like I said we had a black teacher there and so we all seen her at some point and she was very influential on in my life growing up actually one of the first teachers that ever taught me French or anything like that so I mean it's it's just astonishing to hear you know the discrepancies in our uh, education system just in Indiana alone so just kind of go ahead What's that influence of her having, you know, being in front of you? Did you feel like that that uh, representation helped you um, kind of navigate school in a different mindset? Because now you've been introduced to a black superior, quote unquote, that's your teacher that's teaching you how to be more um, at an early age. Do you feel like it, you know, helped catapult your future? Uh, for sure. I mean, like I said, just some of the things she was teaching us alone, like, you teaching uh so second grade well I was like eight at the time about the yeah seven eight so I mean you teaching a seven or eight year old you know French that early on like that's something I'll never forget like we used to be able to say the Pledge of Allegiance all the way through in French like even sometimes today I'll bust it out sometimes and it's like it's something that's ingrained in my mind like I don't practice French the only other time I took French was when I got to college actually and um did a couple of courses then but that was something they didn't teach us that in college either so like. That was just something that was ingrained in me and seeing it. Like I said, me coming from Atlanta, you got to realize, like, coming from Atlanta, I mean, I was maybe five or six at the time, but coming here and then seeing a lot more white people than what I'm used to, those people being involved in my life a lot more than what I was used to, like, that was a culture shock for me. And so to go to a school, like I said, predominantly white, and we got one black teacher throughout the whole school, like, I was excited. Like, I was ready. Like, I was hoping and praying, like, please, let me get Miss Dean as my homeroom teacher. Like, I was hoping I would get her. I didn't, but we still had to go through her class because our school was set up to where we actually did kind of switch classes a little bit, even elementary school. Um, and so with that being said, so we all kind of had some encounters with her. But that was something, like I said, just seeing her in that capacity around a whole bunch of other white people, her really caring and she's taking time out to do different things that nobody else was doing. Like she was doing a whole bunch of unique teaching methods looking back on it now. Like we used to have a, not to get too much off of subject, but we used to have like a time where we would come back in from recess and it would be like, um, oh, I forgot what she called it, brain, brain time or something where we would all just like lay our head, she would turn off all the lights in the room we would lay our heads down for like two or three minutes. It would just get like just breathing, taking time to recon, recon, uh, you know, recon, recompose ourselves, get our composure back, so we ready to learn. And so like that was something that like honestly I've used that a few times and with like meetings and things like that. Like when I'm trying to you know get my mind ready and feed my mind. Like she used to do things called brain food. She would give us snacks and stuff for different things and call it brain food. Like, it was a lot of different techniques and methods that she utilized that I find to be very unique. And as a black woman, that's something I always hold now where, like, I'll never forget Miss Dean for the rest of my life just because of she was the only black teacher there. Some of the strides and stuff, like I said, some of the unique teaching methods she utilized, like, that's something I'll never forget for the rest of my life. So, for sure. That's hard. Um, 
But yeah, so we can move on to this next question I got for y'all. Like, who do you feel? And this is this kind of goes right back to how you were taught Black history because a lot of times, especially if you're at a predominantly white school, like if they are teaching anything with Black history, you always hear about the main characters. You know, no nobody that's really that was really laying the groundwork. You hear a lot about MLK, but there's a lot of other people that were doing similar stuff to MLK and at the same time as him that don't get the same notoriety. And so that was something that really hits home now as I learn more, even today, learning more about our history and realizing that there was a lot of people doing several different things. Like, for instance, just people, you know, a black man created the first stoplight. Like, a lot of people don't even know that. Like, that's stuff that, like, you know, we got to really hit home and, and honestly think back on, like I said, and figure out how you was taught things and what you know now today. So with that being said, leading to this next question, like who do you feel like is the most influential to the black community? Who has been, who is, however you wanna however you wanna uh, answer that question. That is such a that is such a loaded question. <laughs> it is, that's why I asked it. That's why I asked it. Right, there's so many levels. Um Just give me one. Say... Just give me one. I just want one. Uh, you just want one. I okay, just want I one. Mean... And then explain. Man, so, I know. I'm like, who do I want so, to shout out? So, all right. So, look. So, look. If this, okay, if this makes, right. if this makes the question a little easier for y'all, I'm also gonna yeah. ask you who had the biggest impact. So, right now, I just want to know, oh like, God, who's God. the most influential to the culture, to society now, and to how we got here today, and then who do you feel like was the most impactful for the black community? Right. Okay. So, I'm gonna say, obviously, MLK was probably the most influential because. Of course, he was the one that was like the figurehead, right? Like right. all like white people like MLK. Like white people MLK makes white people feel forgiven. It's like white fragile fragility like on its knees when it comes to MLK cuz it's like but look, look how peaceful he was. He was a preacher. He he forgave us. Like he forgave us like God forgives. Um so I'm going to say he was probably the most like influential in terms of like messaging in terms of I think resorting to nonviolence was like really important that's important for me um especially because it's like I I just feel like don't give people don't like prove people wrong and don't feed into their stereotypes that's important for me um, but I don't like that it's like if you like him okay, then it's like you don't support Malcolm X. If you're like supportive of Malcolm X, then it's like it's like no, hold up, hold up. We're not gonna make it a competition over black struggle. Like that's what we're not gonna do. Um, so I don't like that this like uh you have to almost choose which one you like more in times, you know. That's Can I jump into that real quick? Please. Because I like I said, as I've grown, I've actually asked these types of questions and I started doing some research and there are videos and they keep these under wraps that MLK was actually upset that he was pushing people to a nonviolent movement because of the fact that the things that they were doing to us in that time. Um, you know, MLK is definitely influential as far as that aspect of being a mogul of nonviolence but still trying to get the cause pushed but i mean he felt bad i mean you can see bloodshed you can see cracked skulls of our you know our our people being you know beat and 
and dragged and lynched and, and he's saying, you know, a nonviolent action needs to be taking place. And like, how does that feel? I, honestly, you can say that to, you know, kind of calm the storm a little bit, but you can't say that and feel okay by getting split with the nightstick, you know, and there are videos, there are videos that, you know, and this is when him and Malcolm actually start to come into agreement a little bit towards the end of their lives. Um, you know, they are, there's videos, there's, you know, pictures that are in color of them shaking hands. Um, and, you know, a lot of, we touched on history, I'm going to stop because I can get deep. Like, they try to water it down so much that they try to put it in black and white. But in reality, a lot of those, that film back in the day was in color. So they try to make it seem like it was so long ago, but yet, yo, that's not that long ago. No, it's like, it was like 60, 50, 60 years, you know, like if we think about the Civil Rights Act was 1964. So, I mean, that's people are alive, you know, there's people that are alive during that time. Exactly. It wasn't as long ago as people think. So when we, it it just blows my mind though, how people are like, you either have to be one or the other and you can't like them both. You can't support them both. And it's just like, it's again, pitting black people against each other instead of together to fight for one solution and one cause. Yep. Facts. Man, that was great feedback. Um, Randy, go ahead. Who do you think was most influential? Yeah, like I said, yeah, it was definitely Malcolm. Um, But I definitely want to touch on somebody. Say it again? You said Malcolm X? Malcolm and Martin. But I definitely want to touch on somebody that wasn't a, uh, like a staple as far as in public eye um because i actually just learned about him uh james baldwin um you know he he was a writer um an activist um back in the 60s i believe it was around that time of um the civil rights and i we keep touching on civil rights because that's honestly um still stuff that is happening today and we talk about what the influential peace and moments are for our time right now that civil rights movement still is impacting today. Um, a lot of stuff that we're fighting for. But James Baldwin, he was, you know, trying to get the the story across to both sides. He was actually a black gay activist. And so at that time, of course, we were seen as these, you know, underdogs. And him being on the fence of both sides, it was hard for him. And I felt like for him to be a staple in that time um, and speak up the way he did, um, I felt like, you know, that's amazing. I feel like he, he, you know, touched on certain things that, um, you know, that couldn't get to the white race. Um, he actually, I've seen a couple of uh, clips of him actually in meetings and in town halls and, and seminars and at colleges and sitting in rooms that he's the only black male in the middle of all these white figures. And they're standing and applauding him because he's under, they're understanding his, the struggle that's coming from him. Um, and so, if y'all trying to look that up, I mean, I definitely love the the, the fight that Martin and uh, Malcolm put out. But these others, you know, influential moguls, they um they help a lot. I just wrote it down. James Baldwin. That's awesome. The season. original James Baldwin. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I personally feel like who's the most influential to the black community, in my eyes, I would probably say, mm, I would probably say Rosa Parks, um, just because I really kind of feel like, and I know that's a well-known name, but I really feel like 
she kind of put when you think of protesting you think of Rosa Parks for a lot of people from what you see the bus sit-ins and everything like that like she was so impactful and influential on our community when it comes to that like that was one of the things that we learn about in school as far as Rosa Parks and what she did and what she accomplished and it was much more than just that one sit-in um but that's what we are drawn to that's what we remember that's what we were taught and so honestly I would say her just because of from what we've seen here recently the last couple of months with the Black Lives Matter protests and um, all the other protests we've seen over the years I feel like it always goes back to Rosa Parks um, and a lot of what people do and say goes back to our history. And I really feel like, yeah, so I would I would personally say Rosa Parks is probably the most influential in my eyes. And that's crazy. That cracked off a lot of um, the times of boycotting, too. I, I recall that they kind of boycotted Birmingham buses yeah, like right they, after that. After that happened with Rosa, it went completely crazy. Yeah. It went completely crazy yeah. once they found out about her having to, uh, they were trying to make her give up her seat. And then she got arrested for it. They might not care about black bodies and black voices, but they do care about the black dollar, okay? Our money, they know it. <laughs> and, Definitely. And, and, yeah, once you start uh, messing with the pocket, uh-oh. Hey, and Tiffany, yep. I appreciate you bringing that up because that's, that's one of our most powerful forms of protest that we don't use. Like, just imagine if it we is. really just kept our it dollar is. in it our is. community instead of it going, like... And there was a yeah. There's certain brands I don't support. Oh, facts. It's, it's crazy. I mean, there's it's but there's certain now. people though. Like at the same time, like our people. Like I know plenty of black people that I've heard say like they would rather spend their money on something at a white store than a black store because they feel like it may be a better product, or they feel like the customer service or something may be better. Like I've heard people say those things and. That's one of the things, I can't remember the, the number exactly, but I know it was something like as far as the Asian community, the white community, how, how long their uh, their dollars circulated in their own community. Cycles, yeah. yeah, and ours, it I believe. It was Killer Mike's documentary. Yeah, I, I remember hearing the, the statistics on it, but I don't remember on top of my head, so I don't want to misspeak. But I know, I want to say it was like maybe one time that ours is circulated in our own before it goes out to so another community. it's not community. even like 24 hours, it's like a couple it's not 24 hours. hours. Honestly, a, a lot of that comes goes back to the oppression that we went through and Absolutely. the fact that we went without for so long. And once we finally had some, like we, you know, we didn't really know what to do with it, but spend it, you know, like, and it's only, exactly. it's, it's not well, too, and then putting, you know, pitting black people against black people, right? Like this whole imaginary thing of black on black crime, which does not, that's not a thing. That's just a thing for like white people made up to explain why they target black people, whatever, um, you know, but it's like, you know, they pit us against each other, right? Like you do have, you know, black people that don't mess with other black people, to be honest, you know, you have black people that are very much, uh, 
let me not be derogatory, but you know, <laughs> that definitely I feel like have turned their, um, you know, backs on their community because they feel like there's no hope, etc. And, you know, they get into this mindset, well, I made it out, why can't you? Um, kind of thing, which is so strange. I've actually, I know a lot of like people in politics, black, uh, black people in politics that have that uh, mindset. And I don't really mess with them because it's super strange to me. Um, you know, just because you made it out, like, I mean, great. Like, that's awesome. Like, great. But there are people who actually need help. And, you know, I'm, I'm just not one to, like, turn my back on, you know, the community. So. Yeah, and that's, that's true. I mean, uh, I don't know if y'all watched the movie American Skin recently. Um, I mean, it was one, you know, story that kind of touches home now uh, in the past. What is currently going on, like, it's about basically um, a father lost his child to a police officer, slaying of um, slave by a police officer, a white police officer that was um, convicted um, and they freed him. He didn't, he didn't get served any time. And so basically the synopsis, you know, one question was asked was, you know, do you feel if that white cop would have pulled over a white male and it was a white son, what that would have happened? And it was no. And like, I just feel like, and I, we all can agree to that. I know that would have been the answer. No, but this happened to a black child. And what happens is, you know, if a black officer was in a white male officer's shoes, would he have probably pulled the trigger? And I say, yes, it was no for the white side and it was black for our side. You know why? We were oppression, being oppressed people, bring so much hate, not for our people, but just hate in general. So now a black male going up, it's fear. It's, well, I'm not saying just yet, and fear, fear. And fear is the word I should have touched on first because being a black male and growing up in these areas, we understand what's going to happen. We understand. However, there's a slight second that that black cop would have took before he pulled that trigger. I can't say the same for a white cop that's never been in that area before, growing up in those those streets, knowing these kids, etc. So um, there's a question that was asked, like, you know, you know, does a black male fear another black male? And do you feel like he will pull that trigger? I say yes. He knows what that is like, but that comes from oppression. You know, it, we don't have much. We have to fight for a lot of things that we have today. Um, you know, we were. We're. It's crazy. And Randy, I just want to say that I appreciate you to bring that up though, because. I do feel like that a lot of people look down on black police officers. I have friends, um, they're actually black female police officers. Um, and you know, I support them a hundred percent, right? Um, a hundred percent. And you know, at first I'm not gonna lie, I was kind of like, hold up, what? You want to be a what? You know, I was like, uh, uh-uh, uh, girl, we don't mess with police around, you know, of course, naturally my, my instinct is to be fearful of the police at first. Um, but Seeing them in the line of duty and understanding that they joined the first, uh, the force, excuse me, to to be the change that they want to see, right? They want to be the, and my thing is, who am I to say, no, you shouldn't do that? Because at the end of the day, if I'm, you know, in court, I want to see a black judge. I want to have a black prosecutor. I want to have a black uh, public defender. Okay, I listen, they might still find me guilty. But at least they are going to have the heart and the empathy to give me a just uh, sentencing and verdict where a white person, as soon as I walk in the door, I'm automatically guilty in their head. And that's that equality that we're fighting for. People don't understand that. That's really it. Like my grandfather, 
was a sheriff of where I'm from. Um, and actually became the head security. I don't know, after retired, he just didn't want to sit out. Head security guard at my high school. <laughs> he didn't show me no favoritism, but at the same time, say I got into some, some mess, he would literally justify anything that happened to the cause where if it was my fault, he would make sure of it that I was in trouble. And so, like, that's the type of situation that you just explained to me. Like, we just want equality across the board. You know, we just want some representation to know that it's going to be a fair judgment. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's, that, that's, that deep. That's deep. You know, history is proven even to this day with that type of stuff. Hey, definitely pretty deep there. Um, man, one of the next questions I wanted to ask, though, going off of that, I know we kind of touched on this in a similar capacity in the last question, but who do you think had the biggest impact in black history? So I know I previously asked who was most influential, who had the biggest influence, but who do you think made the most impact? Now that can be, you know, impact is very much perspective based. So um, you can take that however you want to take it, but I'll start with mine first. And Tiffany kind of mentioned her earlier and that's uh, Madam C.J. Walker. Just because, oh, of, yeah. just because of what she did, you, we already know, uh, well, most of us know anyway, you know, she created a lot of uh, hair products for black women. Um, also, uh, just to correct Tiffany slightly, um, she was the first self-made millionaire black woman, not billionaire, but millionaire. Um, that was documented, though. So there could have been possibly somebody before her that wasn't recorded as a millionaire, but she was the first to document it. Was it was it millionaire in her time, billionaire in our time? Yeah, I'm. I'm she has that's to be. Worth, she's definitely worth a billion now. <laughs> she Don't, said correct, but I'm like that's also perspective, you know. Hey, she was this. She was the first documented self-made millionaire. In her time. So I'm sure by now she's accumulated a billion dollars for her estate. Has to be. I mean, she got, I believe in, uh, what was that, 19? Let me look at my notes to make sure I'm correct here. Um, 1913, she donated a YMCA to yeah. Indy. You know what I'm saying? So we got the Madam C.J. Walker Theater here now. Like, So, yeah. I mean, her yeah. impact was, was hellacious. And um Honestly, I don't know if most know or not, but like she created her hair products based off her own scalp condition that she had, and so yep. that, that kind of that that's what uh, had it. And her name wasn't originally Madam C J Walker. Um, her name was actually uh, Sarah Breedlove first, Breedlove, however you want to pronounce it. Um, and that came from her husband. So like that's just different stuff. Like as I looked into it more, I started to find out more, and I was like. Yo, I, was, I knew her name wasn't Madam C.J. Walker, but I didn't know the purpose behind it. But essentially, yeah, she was like how, what actresses do today. Actresses, act, actors, change their name for, you know, um, get more notoriety, an easier name to say. And so that's where Madam C.J. Walker came from. So that's who I feel like had the biggest impact just because she was the she was the one of the first, uh, the first woman to be a self-made millionaire. Her her products and stuff live on to, live on today. The hot comb, a lot of stuff that was created, we still utilize today based on Madam C.J. Walker. So that's who I feel like had the biggest impact. Um, so I'll go ahead and go to you next, Tiffany. I apologize if I took yours. I know you said that was one of your favorite people to learn about, but I'm gonna go ahead and let you have the floor. So I'm gonna say for me the most um, impactful, um, I would say, would be the people that. Um, that didn't lose their lives, the volunteers, the people that were donating their hard-working um, money during the civil rights, volunteering, 
it's the it's the people that we don't know. I, I want to say they were the most impactful because I'm a big, strong supporter of grassroots movements. Um, you know, making sure that when you're doing things that you are involving community. Uh, when you're doing that, you actually have people who are experiencing it, and you're not doing things just for show. So I'm with, I'm gonna say I know it's kind of generic because it's not like a, a specific person. Well, I want to say the people that you know, aren't um, infamous, so to say, um, and that didn't lose their lives, etc. but definitely had a lot, uh, used a lot of their resources, their time, um, their money, their lives, uh, you know, to support, uh, whether it was uh, the right for women to vote, because understand that black women were definitely a part of that, uh, right for women to vote. And what's even sick, though, y'all know something crazy. You had black women fighting for the right for women to vote, even though they knew that that right wouldn't be granted to them because they were black. Yep. Uh, so I had. So we have that, and then I'm also gonna say the uh, folks that the freedom fighters. And you know what? I'm even gonna include in this pool also too the white supporters, the yes. white people, the white people oh. that were riding the bus with the black people. The white college students that were dropping out and going cross country in support of these movements. I want to also shout them out too because you got to think in this time, you know what they would have called you, right? If yes. you were friends, if you if you were friends, let alone if you dated a black person, right? Um, you know, you you could have been jailed. There were states that you could have been, uh, you know, and I. This is something for me, you know, being biracial. You could have been jailed for being with someone of a different race. There were laws on the books. There were statutes. So um, I want to shout out all those people that, you know, we might not know, but their sacrifice is greatly appreciated. And, you know, we work to honor them. Yo, I really, really appreciate you mentioning those people, Tiffany. That was a total different direction than I thought we were going to go. Man, that was fire. I wasn't ready for that. I just want to touch on, you know, our white activists as well, because right now to this day, since I moved to the South, I've seen it totally different now than ever, um, especially with this last political race. Um, there were a lot of people shooting and rooting for Biden, but you got to know that this is a red, you know, state area. Every time I, I, everywhere I turned, it was, it was huge. And it wasn't the fact that they were supporting, uh, it's the difference between supporting Trump's political view versus supporting Trump. And there was a difference between supporting what Biden had to say and his political views. And I felt like we had a lot of people going against the grain. And, I've, and one thing I've noticed when moving to the South was, um, you know, white people going against their own kind is literally frowned upon. However, our black people will literally tell a black person and we will correct ourselves and we will correct our people. White people don't do that. And so I definitely want to piggyback off that Tiffany, like shouting them out even, and that was the worst of times. So I can only imagine how that made them feel. I mean, they'll never know when they go to sleep and their house get burned down. So definitely. No, that's a fact. Well, and for them though, but the thing is for them, I mean, you know, I'm still like, okay, appreciate it, but you know, you know what I mean, there's still a level to it because you don't have to, the only thing white people have to fear by joining these coalitions and supporting these movements, uh, the only thing they have to fear is being shunned from community, right? They have a fear, right, right, not being accepted. They have a social fear. They have a uh, social restraint there. 
black people had a physical safety, physical safety, okay? Like, so even their their fears and, you know, it's like, okay, I get it. I'll empathize with you. But, you know, it's nothing from the fear, the mental torment um, that black people have faced for decades since being brought to this country. That's it. Facts. Um, Randy, to uh, go ahead and circle back, what who do you feel like was most impactful? Um, honestly, it may be kind of like a wild moment, but Barry Gordy, um, you know, creating Motown at the time where when it was needed as far as a voice for our black people, um, not just for you know uh, the civil rights and all that type of stuff, but just to get our voice heard not only in America but also around the world. And a lot of this, those songs that Motown created, like Temptations and all those big influential groups, they're still being played today. Um, and I really can't, I don't know an artist out besides Drake or anybody, actually Drake, Beyonce, Jay-Z probably going to be forgotten about. But those two people, who are, who are we going to be listening to in the next 60 to 70 years? I don't believe Hove is going to be up there. Drake may be up there. I see that face, Josh. I don't know, but I feel like Barry Gordy definitely was. Um, for, a, for those a who can't see my face right now, I gave I, Randy I'm, I'm multiple side eyes. Like, like, bro, hold okay. on, be cool. You remember, there's a question that you asked. Impact. Impact is about making moves towards progression. Um, Do you know of, all the shit that Jay Z is doing right now outside of music? Well, I'm saying, I'm saying, no, I'm, I'm speaking on the fact music-wise. I'm speaking on music now. Outside of the music world, absolutely. I'm speaking on our voice being able to be translated into a different, uh, uh, um, different language, all types of different areas, being able to kind of let the white people kind of correlate to what we have currently going on. Like Barry Gordy actually set the plane for that, and I don't know. Too many. Okay, let's let's touch it there. Too many artists that are going to be lasting that long as those 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 artists did back then. So, so Randy, I have a question. Are you saying because he created this platform? Because before, you know, they were taking black right. artists' music. They were copywriting right. black music, black performers. Betty Boop, right, was was right. originally a black woman. Black woman. A black so are you woman. saying he's most impactful because he gave black people a platform that was our own, that we could, you know, put our music out, put our artistic, you know, uh, abilities and work out and not be, you know, stolen and a and a copy uh, copy. Yeah, not even just the platform itself, of course, because yes, that was a organized way to keep our our music ours um you know the elvis presley's all those stealing music from muddy waters back in the, in those times and era but not only just that that uh platform but also giving black people black women black men opportunity to be heard around america at that time i think those two, it can go both ways man randy um, I think you guys both surprised me right there in that segment. I, I wasn't ready for Barry Gordy. I wasn't ready to acknowledge the nameless. Um, those are ba- those are very good answers, though. Uh, Randy, I see where you're going with it. Um, you just lost me a little bit when you said we, we wouldn't be listening to. You know, I'm not I'm not even a big I'm not a big Jay Z fan, but like you know, I I feel like his music is definitely timeless, and there will be a lot that we hear from him 20 years from now for sure. I mean, we're going to see, though. We're we here now. Um, we can actually understand 
we, we're listening 20 to years, that, Technically, 20 years later, we still listening to Jay-Z right that, now. That's true. That, that, that's true. So, like I said, we definitely are going to be in a time where we can actually sit and reminisce and talk about it. Because I understand now hip-hop is totally different than it was even when we were kids. Right. So, it's going to be a timeless thing where, you know, certain artists may, you know, catapult and stay stay in the, in the, in the air. But um, as far as what they did back then with, with Motown and in Detroit, with all these black artists, like, that's that's untouchable right there. Randy, you kind of jumped ahead to, like, the last segment. It was a new segment I wanted to bring to the people. Um, it's oh, actually, really? Yeah, you know, you jumped ahead because you really, you took it there with the Jay-Z comment, with the Drake and Beyonce. You got, you got a lot of fans upset at you right now. And so, with no further ado, hey, let me go ahead and lead into this last segment, this new segment I wanted to bring out. And it was actually called, Hold On, Let Me Finish. Uh, something new I wanted to do where, you know, you can say something outlandish and get a chance to explain yourself about it. And I feel like that's yeah. very much so qualified right there, my brother. But, uh, Bring me back, man. <laughs> Bring me back for that, man. Hey. I, I love to touch on a couple things. Hey, y'all actually about to go ahead and initiate it. So with this last question, because it's very much so a loaded question and very much so can be highly debated. So we're going to go ahead and start this new segment that I called Hold On, Let Me Finish, which is the podcast name. Let's lead into this last question. What well-known black person today will have the biggest impact on our community 10 years from now? This can be somebody that is, very, you know, a historian, an activist, however you want to view it. Somebody that's into cosmetics, somebody that's creating shoes, whatever. Somebody that you think is going to be the most impactful 10 years from now. 10 years from now, we're going to be still talking about that person and what they're doing today. So, like I said, this is called Hold On, Let Me Finish, because y'all may, y'all may say a name, and it's going to be like, whoa, what are you talking about? So, you're going to get a chance to go ahead and finish. You know, we're going we gonna to wait to judge until you finish what you got to say. So, Tiffany, since you cheesing so hard, let's go ahead and start with you. She got some heat. I think Tyler Perry. Ooh. Tyler Perry. Okay. Once he gets out, like, out of the closet? Uh, no, no, just so as in, <laughs> well, no. Once he gets out, as in, like, he's done kind of doing filmmaking and stuff. Because, you know, he'll probably not do it, like, forever. He'll probably get more into, like, um, all the great things he does to the black community, all the money he donates to HBCUs, um, all the money he, money he just donates, period. I know he does a lot for the Atlanta community. And I think Tyler Perry is just going to be somebody that, like, will be forever. Even once he passes, like, we will always talk about Tyler Perry's um, uh, contribution to uh, film um, and production. That's a good one. That's a very good one. That's a very good one. He basically purchased part, like, half part of Atlanta. Like, for a studios? But great, he's coming out of here. Yeah, like he bought a whole part of it, so I agree to that. Um, I do want to remind my listeners that, you know, I did say a well-known black person, so Tyler Perry definitely qualifies, so if you're out there thinking of somebody that you know boots on the ground, they may not qualify as that well-known person. We want somebody that everybody's going to most likely know universally. So with that being said, Randy, go ahead and give me your most well-known black person. I actually have two. Um, I kind of met mentioned her earlier but Stacey Abrams I mean what she did for politics this year was amazing um and a lot of people kind of didn't put you know highlight this but she actually had just lost her race 
but still got back on the ground and did what exactly what she needed to do. I can actually see her running for president one of these days. Um, Absolutely. Because she, she, I mean, was man, y'all seen her pop up in Gucci and walk, at Gucci uh and Jeezy, you know, battle like yeah. she popped up. Right to be like she knows how to talk to our people. She knows what to say. Yeah. She knows how we feel. Um, she, she knows, knows how to organize. Absolutely, she knows what is what it, what it feels like to be degraded. I mean, people were coming out of her head. She still kept her composure and did what she was supposed to do. So I think Stacey is going to be somebody we definitely be talking about not ten but twenty years from now. Uh, and then she this, has this a next great political future for sure. Yeah, she, for sure, and she barely right. lost her race. By the way, she barely. Oh, barely for sure. And, and in fact, I really wish she would have won because that would have felt really good down here. <laughs> really, really good. Um, and the next person I got, I think a lot of people kind of look over him, but LeBron, uh, mm. with him being able to do as much as he, is, he has done in sports um, and the fact that he's always front line when something happens and he doesn't hold his tongue. Um, and I think he's not holding his tongue to a certain extent. He's under contract. He, plays for the NBA. So imagine with those restrictions being taken away from him, how much he's going to have an impact with. Um, you know, he's going to go down, if not the greatest, but one of the greatest basketball players ever to touch the floor. And his voice, he's doing so much now. So I just feel like in the next 10, I mean, there's so much more that he's going to be able to do, you know, and then having his sons come up and play ball and that just piggybacking off of that, like, I just feel like he's going to make a huge impact for our people. Those are definitely great answers, Randy, uh, Tiffany as well. When I came up with this question, you know, I really didn't have a, a direct person in mind. I was just kind of going through different things that I think would be interesting questions to ask you all. And so when I kind of thought about this myself, it was kind of hard for me to narrow down or pinpoint a direct person. But the first person that came up to my mind when I first started thinking of who I really think could be the most impactful is somebody that we don't necessarily see a lot of today, but his impact is monumental on the sports community itself. And that's Colin Kaepernick with what he did, taking a knee and the stance and the stance he took. He was very much so ahead of his time. You know, at the time people were trying to make it out for him to be selfish. They were making it out to be about his play and how he was declining as a player and making it more making it more about that when we see what he was doing, and then we see the reaction. At the time, he was ridiculed. He was crucified for it, um, in lamest terms. He's going to uh, go down in history for that. And I would also say the the my actual answer, that was, like I said, that was my first thought. But my actual answer would probably be Jay-Z, to be honest. Some of the things that he's done for the black community continues to do behind the scenes. He's not even always looking for the notoriety of, hey, guys, I just made this happen. He's doing a lot of shit behind the scenes that we don't even know is going on. We don't on. know about. You know, a lot we don't of even stuff. Hear about half of it. A lot of stuff. Okay, I'm going to let you finish. I'm going to let you finish. Please hold on and let me finish. Please. Because, you know, this. my man, he, he's impacting criminal justice reform. He's taking up the head with that. You know, he help, he's helped getting people out of jail. He's still helping do that right now. Like, there's a lot of different things, a lot of different programs he's established and giving back to the black community. Don't you want to talk about donating to HBCUs and things like that? Scholarship programs that he's created. Jay-Z has done a lot of stuff for our people and I think his impact will live on forever outside of music just on what he's doing now. Okay, that makes more sense. Now Tiffany since you let me finish, go ahead and jump in now and try to try to tear me down. I'm ready for a debate. 
No, I'm not. I'm not gonna turn turn it down. I will say I need to just do my own little research. I'm not very familiar with some of the things that you said Jay Z's done. Um, because at first I definitely got a vibe from Jay Z that like he used to be very um, connected to those things, but you know, just like a lot of people in our dear dear brother Kanye, you know, when oh. to a certain level. You know, it starts to, you get into that mindset of, I made it, I did it, you know, why are we still, why are people still mad? And, you know, that interview that he did, um, what was that interview with, um, what, he did an interview where he was like, you know, basically talking about, like, feeling for the national anthem, he was just like, get over it, essentially, that's what my take was, uh, was on it, Jay-Z? and I felt like that was from a, you talking about Jay-Z? Yeah, yeah, I guess after, uh, it was after everything got set up, when he, um, uh, got into sports, I, I think I remember and then, that, okay, Randy, what was it, do you remember his exact quote, where he said something, it was like something along the lines, like, you know, we can't kneel anymore. You you know, don't do that anymore. It was something it was something yeah. about kneeling that he was like basically like we gotta move past past the kneeling for the anthem. To me, I didn't I didn't like it because he came from a place of where he is even currently. though where he is currently, which is a place of financial privilege, maybe not racial privilege, but financial privilege, that it is so easy for you to say don't kneel anymore and get over it because you are someone who white cops know who you are okay right you're jay-z that you probably won't you you are a black man but you are you are in a position a very good position for a black man and so i don't know the comments for me i maybe was took out of context a little bit maybe it was edited but you know i was definitely kind of like whoa hold up hold up jay (laughs) Now see, now see in that situation, perfect segment. You had to hold on and let him finish for that, cause because there was a lot. Now I know you two know this, Tiffany. You being in politics and being in those circles, you know, and Randy with everything you're doing with your business and stuff. Sometimes we gotta play the game to get to what we want. And that's exactly what I was gonna touch on. That is very much so what he was doing, because after that statement, which I now once you elaborated more, I do recall what you're talking about. I was a little bit disgruntled with that too, and so I seen his actions after that, which that goes back to his statement. What he was referring to was, it's it's we need to see less protests and more action. And more. And, and that's something I definitely agree with. I definitely full-heartedly agree with protesting, but it, to an extent, I feel like at some point there needs to be action items. There needs to be some sort of some sort of establishment of how we're going to move forward from this. And what Jay-Z did once he said that, he started trying to become an owner, and one of the requirements he made to the NFL and the other owners, if I'm going to become an owner, Colin Kaepernick needs to have a shot to get back in the league. So and that's why they shut him down. And that's, that's and that's what down. happened. Exactly. Yeah. They they went through a whole they gave all the pony the dog and pony show of Kaepernick and him wow. doing a combine, a fake combine and stuff like that. All of that, Jay Z's yeah. one recommendation, if you guys want me to own an NFL team, Colin Kaepernick needs to be back in the league. And so like that shows that completely contradicted his statement because if he didn't agree with him what he was yeah, doing, why would you care to get him back in the league? And that was something he had to do yeah. right there. So like I, I do feel I do understand what you're saying and I agree to an extent, but I feel like which I don't always agree with, but 
unfortunately, us being oppressed so long, that's just what we got to yeah. do. Sometimes we got to play the game to get to where we want to be. And then you can start yeah, making the decisions you really want. No different than politics, presidents and all. Like, governors, senators, they do the same thing. They give you a good talk when you vote for them. And then once you vote for them, somehow they're not doing everything they said they was going to do. And that Yo, sometimes... If I'm running for anything, if I'm running for anything, listen... Don't get offended if I start targeting, okay, for white. Don't get mad at me. I just need their votes. Oh. Don't get mad. But that's the thing, though. What you just said, hit it on the head. You're going to be targeting because we need that vote. We need that vote. He said that in a way He he said that in a way to get those people on his side so he can get into that room. And that's gotcha. exactly what happened. Um, well, I, okay, all right. I appreciate it. I appreciate it because I hold on. Let me that. finish. Hold on. Let me finish. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, but no, nah, I really appreciate y'all joining this joining this episode. This is very very fun for me. Very informative for the people. I really can't wait to listen back to it and do some editing. Um, so right now we're coming up on the end of it. I I promise y'all won't take too much up too much of your time up. Um, Randy, I know you got a lot of good things going on right now. With your fitness, your new weight training vest is out. Go ahead and tell the people what you got going on, man. You got a little bit of time. Go ahead. Yeah, so I created an energy experience. Um, It was in light to uh, the energy that I give to people. Um, And I focus on what you give is what you get. That's how what happened in life. That was what happens when you are off um, trying to figure out results for yourself, especially on in a fitness journey. And so um, I actually just created the first ever fitness vest for men um and this waist training type of society with all these ladies i mean you see these people these women trying to get snatched with their waist and everything but you don't have we don't have anything yeah for let men. me get snatched um, give me snatched <laughs> so we don't have anything for men um so i created actually um working on the patent working on the copyright the rights to trademarks um right now but basically the first ever fitness vest for men where basically you have a uh, compressed um Weight vest where you can actually lose body fat faster. It boosts your metabolism. It helps you, you know, tone up a lot faster. You can run in it, lift in it, do whatever type of fitness goals that you have. You can run in that thing as well. So, um, yeah, it's big, man. I can't wait for it to actually um, get out to the people. I'm starting to actually ship them off on the 26th of February. So, if you guys are interested, pre-orders are ready right now. What's the website? Where can we find it? Uh, energy experience with the X shop.com energy experience shop.com okay okay my man and make sure y'all go support my man got some great things going Appreciate on it, y'all. virtual training all that he's down in Atlanta all right that. now making it happen y'all so make sure y'all support Tiffany, thank you again for joining. I really appreciate you as well. You always bring a different perspective, a political expect perspective that we always need as well. Um Tiffany, thank you again. You got anything you want to wrap up with? No, I don't think so. Just, of course, thanks for having me again. I definitely do appreciate, you know, um, just being able to share my perspective because I do think it's, uh, you know, a little different. And, you know, I hopefully that, you know, people can learn something and kind of open their mind up uh, and just being a little more optimistic and open-minded with others. So, again, I appreciate it. Hey, no problem at all. We got to do this again. Let's get more, maybe a more fun, relaxed topic we can talk about, create a different type of environment, different type of vibe, and we'll go from there. But thank you all again for coming in. Thank you all for tuning in. Hold on, let me finish.